What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the JTS Podcast. My name is Marcus Modi, alongside my partners, Patton Cook and Gabe Jones. We are here still in three different areas, doing our little quarantine action still once again, just due to COVID-19. Hopefully everybody's still playing safe, following protocols, unless you got the vaccine. Uh, if you got both vaccines, they said you're good to go out and about. But if not, just please still play it safe. Even if you have the vaccine, play it safe, because you never know. But let's go ahead and start with our topics on today. First up, we're going to start talk about Austin P football uh, this past Sunday. They went into double overtime with SEMO, <laughs> but came out with a victory 49 to 42. Uh, guys, let me get y'all thoughts on this game, because this was really a a weird game, but also a back and forth game. And it had a lot of excitement for both teams and then a few uh, player of the week honors for the governors. Yeah, I'll start first. And for Austin P, kind of the same sort of thing where they started off really fast in this game. Once again, you had Brian Snead break out to a, another, another big time run for him. And this is starting to become a weekly uh, occurrence for him. I don't know if he can keep up this pace, but I'm sure uh, Coach Walden is going to expect that and even more in the upcoming weeks because right now what he is showing on the ground game is um, a real trust and a real uh, kind of um, trust, like I said, in the player that he can go out there and not only get a first down, but he's going to go out and get six for you, like something we've seen Kentel Williams do a lot in the in the years past. What is Brian Sneed's show now? One thing he has done is he's kind of um, alleviated some of the pressure off uh, Draylon Ellis, the freshman quarterback, where whenever you can just turn around and hand it off to the kind of workhorse running back like they've been doing, it helps out the freshman. It doesn't have to, to force a lot of throws. He had a couple of mistakes in this game. Draylon Ellis, once again, just kind of working through the kinks and defenses are starting to get, once they get pressure on them, that's really where you find some of the bad throws for Draylon is he tries to trust some of the throws that he was making in high school and where guys weren't in high school, they are there now, and they're uh, they're getting those catches, and that's something he's just got to learn. It's something we've talked about on on this podcast, and something that Coach Walden has talked about in a lot of his press conferences. That this ultimately, although they definitely want to win the OVC title for some of these seniors, this is this building for the long term, and they see Ellis as the long term solution at quarterback. Just stuff he gives on the ground and through the air. It's not something that um, Coach Walden sees from any of the other options he has at quarterback. So. He's working through the kinks now. He's living with the mistakes, and ultimately, he gets them a win. And uh, I thought Ellis, in the overtime specifically, I thought did he didn't have to do a whole lot, but some of the kind of swing passes out to Brian Sneed, and then it had a big-time touchdown pass to Benico Harley over the top. That's one guy I would like to talk about. No D'Angelo Wilson, uh, real impact in this game, but Benico Harley, he looked like the number one wide receiver on this team and some of the catches he was going up and making, it's awesome. And for a freshman quarterback, the luxury to have a guy like Benico Harley, even when you don't have D'Angelo Wilson out on the field, man, what a luxury it is to have. But for Austin P, they survive in advance and against SEMO. This is something that happens year in, year out. This, this is a game that is never a blowout. Even when Austin P looked like they were going to uh, run SEMO off the field, they came right back ended up making it into double overtime and a fantastic game like it is usually against Austin P and SEMO. Indeed, SEMO, a tough team, a team that has, I mean, a great running back. I mean, this guy was just moving. I guess Austin P is missing some guys on that front line that they had last year. Um, but regardless, four touchdowns from Geno Hess, that is 
nothing to sniff at, nothing to sniff at at all. I think the the SEMO quarterback, Andrew Bunch, maybe he has some issues dealing with that Austin P uh, back four, being that we got great athletes back there, Cordell Jackson, Isaiah Norman, uh, trying to force some throws, end up throwing two interceptions uh, to Elijah Colt. So Austin P, they're trying to make sure that they have some continuity going into next year. I know that they had some issues earlier in this football season, looked like they're shaping up. But as you said, at least on the defense and the offensive side, you said Benico Harley, this man, Patton Texas, talking about this man doing his Calvin Johnson impression. <laughs> Four touchdowns? I mean, are you kidding me? That's insane. So it's good to see Austin P get some – uh, forward forward movement uh, going into next year. And good to see us get a W over SEMO. It was a good win indeed. Uh, one thing I will say, SEMO, that's one thing they was doing in this game was just running the football. <laughs> they was trying their best to just run it down Austin P's throat. Geno has had 38 attempts for 115 yards, even though he had a – keep in mind, one man alone almost had 40 attempts. That, that is not normal for a football game. And I noticed a couple guys that was playing, they was like, hey, dude, dude, dude's about 215, 220. That's, that was a big man running that in that backfield. And they had a tough time tackling him. And that's why he had four touchdowns. His only, his longest run was actually only 20 yards. Mm-hmm. So, like, everything was about three yards. He averaged three yards per carry. So, like, they had a tough time, but they actually was still getting quality stops. It was just that they didn't get enough quality stops in crunch time. Mm-hmm. Austin P was getting a lot of stops early on. That's how they picked up their lead. But that's one thing I've still noticed is sometimes you can't go fast paced each and every drive if you're Austin P's offense. Because when you get stagnant, your defense gets tired. And that's one thing that happened to them in the, in the second half is that defense got tired. They kept trying to run it, run it down Austin P's throat. And then you just, what, what happens after that? Then you can go play the action. Then you can hit shotgun formation now because you got your DB somewhat tired. But Gabe did point out the two interceptions. That is uh, to Elijah Colt. He is the OVC defensive player of the year after that performance. He had a phenomenal game, uh, even had a tackle for loss with those two interceptions. Hey, and also, Patton, I got to say, I tweeted it, tweeted out about two weeks ago saying you can't have Benico Harley uh, one-on-one. They didn't see and that I guess, tweet, I don't think, they, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely did not see that tweet because it was plenty of times where, and on his touchdowns as well, that he was one-on-one coverage, hey, if you have that's another thing that was confusing for me. If you know D'Angelo Wilson is not playing, you know Benico Harley is the next man up. Why are you going single coverage with a guy that's like what maybe six foot on Benico Harley, six foot, maybe 175, 180? When we we know good and well Benico Harley, six two. He's he's the they might lie on the on on the roster saying he's about 185, 190. We know he's a good 210. So that is a major advantage towards Benico Harley. And if I'm Draylon Ellis, I told I told one of the players, I was like, if I'm Draylon Ellis and I see Benico Harley one-on-one like that, 
I'm going to throw it to him too. <laughs> why not? That's that's an advantage towards Benico. And that, that's what you've seen on Sunday with the four touchdowns, eight receptions, 76 yards for four touchdowns. And, and I think one thing, one thing on Hess, I think he reminded me of Maurice Jones-Drew on just how kind of short he was, but how hefty he was. And whenever you hide behind those offensive linemen, like you were talking about, Marcus, it wasn't the big-time runs. He was just wearing down that defensive line. And one thing I thought was pretty evident for SEMO, they were looking to control time of possession. They didn't want that Austin P offense out on the field 34 minutes they had on the offensive side to I think only Austin piece 26 or 28, something around that area. So Simo's clear plan was to hold the ball as long as they could, because one thing with Austin P's offense, they've shown late in games are starting to wear down defenses just because the amount of plays they are getting off and the amount of uh, less of rest time they have between snaps with just how quickly they go to the ball. So I, I think that was one big thing. And one final thing before I uh, swing it over to you, Gabe, I think one big thing, for SEMO, why they were leaving Benico kind of one-on-one for so much. I can't say I, that I agree with it, but they were just so afraid of the run game. They saw what Brian Sneed did uh, two weeks ago against Tennessee State, and they're saying, this guy's not going to beat us. We're going to make Draylon Ellis make the throws. And to his credit, Draylon uh, just kind of lofted it up there for Benico Harley to go up there and get. Not sure who had the 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 harder end of the bargain, whether it was Benico or Draylon, but those two guys were on the same wavelength and they had to be. Jay Parker had a big time reception in this game as well. So that's one thing you can say from the freshman is he, although he's got his favorites, he, he likes D'Angelo Wilson and Benico Hurley. He's looking to other guys as well. And that really opens up the offense. And I think we saw a glimpse of what this offense can be if he's um, everything that's the three-start recruit uh, that 24-7 had in terms of uh, Draylon Ellis. So uh, bright spots uh, for, for for both as well. No, exactly what you said, Patton. I was going to say Draylon Ellis doing a great job spreading the ball out amongst his receivers. But, uh, yeah, it's not a good idea to leave the man Benico Harley uh, one-on-one because, Marcus, as you know, we played the man in basketball. Super big, super strong, very athletic individual, man. Like, woo. <laughs> You are correct. That's another thing that's, that got me because, like, Jay Parker, he had four receptions for 76 yards, but majority of his yards came off of that one reception, that long touchdown, 71-yard run. So if he's going to go single high safety, I know you I know you want it. You saw Jay Parker go early, deep, but still, I can't leave Benico Harley out there on, on the island by himself. That's just something I didn't understand with Simo at all. Uh, mm. Even even with the run game, you know that the number one option in this game was Benico Harley because he had, had the double amount of receptions. But drilling up Ellis, he did throw it to uh, Eugene Mentor quite a bit as well. Uh, five receptions for 61 yards on a touchdown as well. So he was spreading the wealth. It's just I don't know. It was it was questionable questionable things later on throughout their ball game. Also, one thing I, I didn't like about Austin P in that fourth quarter, to tie the ball game up, Austin P gave up three fourth downs, fourth and longs at that, fourth and eights. It was fourth and nine, I think two fourth and nines on that, that drive before they sent it into overtime. I know the defense was tired, but you got to get a quality stop then – right before because you they did march down the field like you get if you get three stops 
finish it off. That's that's the thing. I know you're tired, but you got to finish it off. You can't let a team convert three, four downs to tie the ball game up and send it to the overtime because games like this doesn't always fall in your favor. And, and I think for that uh, that touchdown drive, I think it was like a seven and a half minute drive to tie the ball game up. So it didn't give your offense really any chance to march down the field. And on the fourth down conversions, there was numerous times where you kind of place blame on whoever you want, whether it be the back end or the front end, just because with no pressure on the front end, the, the kind of secondary was left stranded on the outside and just receivers were breaking open late in the routes. And there's nothing um, Cordell Jackson and company could do on that side of the ball. So like you said, the, the tiredness of the defense got to them, but this was a big game that they had to win because they've got a tough stretch coming up against UT Martin as well as against Jacksonville State. And this, uh, we talked about it last week, this stretch is where we're going to find out who this team is. They got a game this week against uh, UT Martin at home. So it's going to be a big time test for them. Uh, if they can win that game, the Jacksonville State's going to be, uh, oddly enough, probably end up being for the OVC championship because right now, Tennessee right. Tech, I would have thought how they played against Austin P. They'd be going on to doing great things. Well, they've lost two straight since that win against Austin P. So we're, we're just kind of finding out on the fly that Murray State, uh, whether it be Jacksonville Murray. State, it's it's really anybody's um, at OVC right now. It's just who can get that key win. And Austin P. they've got the schedule. If they want it to have that key win, it's just all going to be down to them. You got to watch out for Murray State. Murray State has uh, been dominating here early on in this football season. They're actually ranked now in the uh, FCS Top 25. So. April 3rd, 2 p.m., that might be a, a special showcase for both teams trying to mm. win it for the OVC because it's only – after that Murray State game, it's only one more game before. So that's that that game there might be actually for the title. Mm. These these next three – next it's only four games left. So these next three weeks, hey, anything is up for grabs for the governors, but, hey, they control their own destiny. That's what we've been saying for these past couple of years. If you want to win out, you win out, you win the OBC automatically. And one thing you could say about Austin P uh, football is they close out the season well. They did it last year. They had that stretch where they didn't lose a game for about three months and they ended up losing in the FCS playoff. New head coach, of course, new players, uh, new schemes. Just whether or not, one thing I will say, the mindset is there. I think it's going to stay there. And a lot of these players for Cordell Jackson, Isaiah Norman, these were key players on, on some of these teams that made runs. It's just going to be interesting whether or not the full team can kind of come together because there are so many new guys and freshmen. But um, all you can ask for, uh, fun football on Sundays in the spring. I'm not sure. I can't complain. I, I'm loving seeing uh, football on my TV on Sundays in, in March and April here. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I can watch football on Sundays like it's the NFL, but <laughs> it ain't the NFL. <laughs> it ain't NFL Sunday. It's, it's still somewhat weird, I would say, just watching college football on sun, on Sundays instead of Saturdays. But one thing. We're going to switch over because one thing that is, yes, it's March and we have March Madness the first time in two years. Woo-woo. Won't be with all the fans. It will be a bubble in Indiana, but still feels good that we're going to have March Madness. COVID, COVID took that away from us last year. And I know, I think we, we all desperately really wanted some March Madness, but 
it didn't happen. It didn't go that way for us. But this no, year, we had some March Madness. Well, yeah, <laughs> we had a different kind of it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't about college basketball. That's that's yeah. for sure. But they announced uh, Selection Sunday was this past Sunday. Uh, they announced the number one seeds. And the fun fact, it's only one national championship between those four number one seeds. Uh, guys, oh, the number the number one seed is uh, Baylor, Illinois. Oh, I lost I lost track real quick. Give me one. Baylor, second. Illinois, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Michigan. And, and Michigan. Yep. yep, those are your four number ones. Now, fellas. I know we might as well let the let the listeners know as well. Uh, we gonna do our own little uh, bracket challenge. We are gonna set that up very shortly after this podcast. Uh, and it we doing all this for bragging rights. Uh, we just gonna see who all gets the closest on this one because I don't anticipate the three of us, any one of the three of us, going perfect in this one because it's never been happened. I don't think. I think the closest. Uh, perfect bracket went to like the sweet 16 and it's around the 64 I'm, I'm i'm just gonna let y'all be honest gentlemen i don't i don't anticipate y'all going perfect who's not uh, going perfect not this year maybe <laughs> next year but not this year <laughs> and then hey whoever whoever gets close to it I, I commend them if they get past the sweet 16 after this year i commend them they they got uh the good the good spirits uh on their side this year but did y'all want to just state off who's y'all uh top y'all who who do y'all think will be in the final four? And then who if you have a sleeper team, who would be one of your sleeper teams? Uh I'll go with my final four first. So I got Gonzaga facing off against Alabama. I can't believe that I have Alabama basketball making it this far. I mean, football. That's like an understatement. We assume that they're going to win the whole thing every year, dang near. Um, but basketball, this uh, program has been actually like doing better and better every year. Um, for the last few years, they've gotten a few standouts. Colin Sexton, the guy that went to Alabama, he's in the league tearing it up this year. Um, so they have a good chance to make it all the way. So I have them facing off against Gonzaga on one side and on the other side, Villanova going against Tennessee. Wow, Tennessee. I am not a UT fan, but I do have a lot of friends that are UT fans, being that I'm from Tennessee, so I guess that makes sense. Um, They have a couple guys that could go in the draft this year. So I expect that talent to take them over the top. Now, will they fall and crumble? I won't be surprised because they have a tendency of doing that, but I have them going up against Villanova. Villanova is a team that always pushes far in the tournament. Um, they've given me some fantastic sports memories from buzzer beaters uh, to all kinds hey, of things. I think they've won about... in the last – what, they won the, like two of the last five Villanova has? We don't – we don't talking about that buzzer beater. <laughs> against North smile. Carolina senior year? <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Oh, it was still... amazing. <laughs> no, that was not amazing for for me and North Carolina fans. I still hate that dagger that Chris Jenkins gave to us. Oh man, it was a bucket, a fantastic sports memory. Um, but to win it all, 
I got Gonzaga toppling Tennessee in the final game. Patton, am I wrong? Uh, so, so for one of your picks, I like, uh, I quite like Alabama. I have, uh, kind of closely watched them all season long, just being a Vanderbilt, uh, fan myself. I've kept a close eye on the SEC. And one thing you can say about Nate Oates and that Alabama team is, uh, this is Mike Danny, Mike D'Antoni's tight basketball. They're shooting threes, uh, they're spacing the floor out and they really don't have a center out on the floor. Uh, so it's all real. Uh, the tallest guy I think they got is like six, seven, six, eight. But one thing that's a bit different from Mike D'Antoni's kind of uh, NBA team is kind of the defense they play is so fierce on the other end. They uh, force turnovers. They get out in the transition and they don't really settle for, for layups. They kick it out to the corner for a three pointer. And when they make them and they have been making them a lot this season, they're shooting like, I think 40% from the three point line. They try about 40 of them a game. So I, I like Alabama in this one. I've got Alabama making it to the final four. I've, in, I've ended up getting them winning the national championship right now at the two seed. Uh, I've gotten them beating uh, Michigan in the elite eight. So I've got Michigan uh, losing in the elite eight. So I've got Alabama and Kansas playing in the final four. I've got Alabama beating Kansas. I think Kansas is playing great basketball down the stretch defensively was something they struggled with early, but they've kind of found uh, found their groove here as of late. And then on the other side of the floor, I've got Illinois. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Illinois. Um, one thing that Alabama doesn't have is the big men and Illinois has got about three or four of them that could start for just about every team in the country. So I, I like what Illinois is doing right now. The defense, they play as well. They kind of go from back to front. They start with their defense, and that leads to some great offense on the other end. So I'm going to go uh, Illinois. I've got them playing Purdue. I, I've, um, I like the Big Ten as a majority. I, I think we're going to see at least one Big Ten team in the Final Four on this side of the bracket, whether that be Ohio State or um, Illinois. I, I see them playing or Illinois or Ohio State. So I've got Alabama winning it all, mainly because of the three-point ball. I'm a sucker for the three-point shot, and uh, that is what Alabama is right now. Give credit to Nate Oates uh, for Alabama even to be discussed, even for a pipe dream of being in the Final Four. That's a hell of a, an accomplishment for him and that program. And I think it's only going to go up because you don't have pressure winning in Alabama. But when you do win, uh, the, the fans are fierceful and, and they love it. All right. So for me, as a quick hitters before uh, we go out to break for the West, I got an Elite Eight. I'm going to have uh, Gonzaga versus Iowa. I think Luke Hayes still one of the top players in college basketball uh, in the East. I'm going to go with Florida state versus Alabama, Florida state. I think is a sleeper team, but it's a really solid team who's been playing phenomenal basketball all year long. And for the Midwest, I got to go Illinois. Illinois has been phenomenal throughout this entire year. Uh, I'm, I'm going to switch it up from, Gabe, I'm not going to choose Tennessee. Uh, I'm going to say uh, that West Virginia, West Virginia gets to the Elite Eight. Uh, somebody you might want to watch out for. And then for the South, I am going to go Arkansas versus Ohio State. And I got Ohio State beating them. So my four teams is going to be Ohio State, Gonzaga, Illinois, and Florida State. Those are going to be my my four. I like that. So, like I said, we're going to see shortly. We're going to make that. And then we'll talk about it once the 
everything is all settled and done, see who come out on top between the three of us. But when we come right back, we'll talk about NFL free agency and all the moves that happen between especially these two guys' favorite teams. So we'll be right back here shortly. Welcome back, guys, after this short break. Uh, free agency started just two days ago, but it has been a lot of moves. And these two guys, my partners, uh, those guys, they're, they're guys' teams, the Patriots and the Titans. We're going to talk about them two teams first because – they made a lot of moves. Uh, the Patriots made a lot more moves for themselves than the Titans did. So we're going to start off with the Titans because I know uh, I got a couple friends talking to me. They was talking to me about, oh, what should the Titans do? And uh, no Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith is now a New England Patriot. No Corey Davis. Corey Davis is now a New York Jet. But the Titans did sign Bud Dupree. And uh, is it – wait, I'm forgetting his name. Nico Autry. There we go. And uh, Sir Patton, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to give you guys, as of right now, uh, uh, I'll give you a C. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a C or a C- minus for free agency right now. After Because for me – your offense got worse. Yeah, you got a front four presence now. But that back seven is still questionable because you did cut Malcolm Butler. You yep. cut Adore Jackson. You cut uh, Kenny Vaccaro. So now you're just going to go all young. Only guy that's still back there is Kevin Byard. And Kevin Byard did not go play exceptionally well last year. And so I'm guessing they're, they're putting their faith in Fulton and whoever is going to be in the draft that they try to select. Yeah, well, the whole the whole memo all, all season long, well, I guess in the offseason, this, that this was a player's issue on the defensive side. I'll start with the defense first, just because they retained every single defensive position. They um, upgraded Shane Bowen to the official defensive coordinator, where before he was just the outside linebackers coach. So from that move alone, that showed me that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, they thought that the scheme was just fine. He, uh, he thought that the players, uh, they were put in the right positions to succeed. But with the moves that they have just made with cutting a Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler, uh, Kenny Vaccaro on the outside, they feel like it's more of a, a player issue. And that's an interesting take. I can't say that I 100% agree with it. But one thing I will say, I am totally behind us cutting um, a Dory Jackson. I thought he was atrocious when he did come in last season. And one thing we did do is we put a lot of faith in him. We extended his fifth-year option where before he would have been out of contract this season, but before the season last year, we we um, kind of extended that fifth-year option since we drafted him in the first round. So we gave him that bit of leap of faith, but had an injury early in training camp and never really did come back until the late stages of the year. And he was playing awful. And we, we barely played him at all just because he was a liability out there on the outside and the thought is for the Titans that what we were going to pay them this year, I think it was about $10 million or so against the cap, is we're just going to go ahead and get rid of them. So uh, they, they saved $10 million in that aspect. Um, so they got rid of them in that way. So the real issue now is, is you're going to have to go and sign some players in the draft or free, ag- free agency. 
I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think they uh, trust a lot in Christian Fulton. I saw a little bit last season, uh, some bright moments for him, but it's really just him at the cornerback position right now because Malcolm Butler was without a doubt our best secondary player, even after Kevin Byard, but they cut him instead. So uh, weird moves for the Titans on the secondary end. I like what they did up front. I think Bud Dupree is an absolute stud. I think he and Danico Autry are going to make guys like Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry they're going to help make up for the back end. I think that's one thing you can say about defense. I would rather have a better front than a better secondary just myself, just because the better front, it can get to the quarterback immediately, and you can have uh, more impact, I think, uh, from the front. But they're definitely going to have to go out and kind of address the secondary. I think they're going to do that through the, second, um, through the free agency. You can't draft a ton of rookies to come in and expect to play winning football and end up the end up goal winning the AFC South. Now quickly on the offense, I don't want to ramble too much longer, but Corey Davis and Jonu Smith, I expected this. I, I especially ex expected it for Jonu Smith just because he was going to command such a market that it just didn't make sense for the Titans to come back. When you pay a guy like Derrick Henry, he's getting the same money that Jonu Smith is getting in New England. It, you just can't pay a guy like Jonu Smith that amount of money when you've got Derrick Henry like that, when you pay a running back, you're going to have to let someone like a John who go and they did that. So the hope is now I, I I'm going to throw this name out there. I am not expecting the Titans to get him at all. I want us to go up and trade for Kyle Pitts. I want him at the tight end position. I would absolutely, uh, cr uh, I would dream about it. I've been dreaming the past couple months about it. We have got the draft capital to do so in this draft. We've got all seconds, all thirds, all fourths, all available for us to trade up. That is who I want. So that's the name I'm going to throw out for tight end. Now with the cap money that we did save from cutting Dennis Kelly and Adoree Jackson, I think we're going to go out in the free agent market and get a pretty good wide receiver. I'm looking at Marvin Jones. That's a name I'm keeping an eye out for in the free agent market from Detroit. Kenny Galladay is another name. He'll command uh, much more of a market, but I'm going to keep an, an, uh, an eye on those two guys uh, from Detroit. Uh, you got AJ Brown, you got your number one. You just need a number two to go alongside him and not, have him get double teamed uh, for AJ to kind of uh, make his impact on the outside. So Titans made moves. They expected, uh, they thought that the coaches weren't the problem. It's the players. And now it's on John Robinson and company to uh, make the moves to not have us come dead last in the AFC South, because if we will, uh, heads will roll and, and I will be rolling those heads. <laughs> um, I don't think that y'all are in any danger of coming in last in the AFC South, I think that y'all made some of these moves because you won't be in danger of coming in last in the AFC South. Houston will be done, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will get a rookie quarterback. We'll see how good said rookie quarterback will be, whether it be Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Fields or whoever they decide to choose. Um, but you'll be fighting for that first or second spot. Now, first, I don't think you'll get – I think the Colts – uh, we'll secure their spot depending on how good Carson Wentz is. I think he will be good next year. Uh, but for the Titans, I think that they made some solid moves uh, bolstering that front four. You can figure out your back four in the draft, usually cornerbacks. If a cornerback is good enough, he can actually be effective even being a rookie. So I think that y'all can uh, figure that out through the draft and then go into next year and figure that out. And then you'll be right back in the spot that you need as far as offense goes. Yeah, you did lose a guy in Corey Davis and Johnny Smith that are good, really good players, but you have a clear number one in uh, Brown. You have a clear, like the best running back in football in Derrick Henry, and you got a serviceable quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. So 
I don't think that y'all would be too far off. I think that you did a decent job in free agency as far as rebuilding without tanking. All right, for me with the Titans, the Titans have made it so much harder on offense for them to score points when it was so many times last year they could score 30 points with ease against solid defensive teams. I'm not even talking about the Texans defense. Texans defense was giving up 45 points, it seemed like, every week. But the weapons that the Titans had when you had Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry, because that's one thing I do want to point out. They was not using Jonah Smith in the passing game like they should have. And I think that's one thing that's going to backfire and show you how valuable Jonu Smith actually was when he goes to his new team with the Patriots. Because Jonu Smith, I've known about Jonu Smith just because of my boy Emmett Thomas. He was the one telling me, hey, watch out for this kid. He's a gem. And the passing game was there. He has nice hands. He has good speed for a tight end. They just for the second half of the season, was having him block. I mean, he that's one thing about Jonu. He's not going to complain because all he wants to do is win, and he's going to do whatever his coaches need him to do. But you didn't utilize every skill set for Jonu. He, he could have been your second Delaney Walker, and everybody know how they love Delaney Walker with, in Nashville. But you just didn't use him. You didn't have this. You didn't use your arsenal the way that you should have. And then now, with Corey Davis being gone, with Jonu being gone, if you don't pick up anybody else offensively, how how much harder will it be for? Well, for I, I'll, I'll push. I'll push back just a little bit, just because we're we're gonna have to pick up somebody because our only wide receiver on the roster right now is AJ Brown, and our only tight end is Anthony Ferkser, and he's a restricted free agent, so we technically don't even have him. One thing on Jonu Smith, there's only one ball. Uh, when you've got guys like AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, they're gonna command the ball. It, you, you can't give everybody the ball in every single possession. So when you're giving Derrick Henry 30, 35 touches a game. John who's not going to be able to get the touches and he knew that. And that is one thing that Bill Belichick saw is that he is one thing I loved about John who myself is he can block and he is not going to complain about it. And defenses don't know what it's going to be. Is it going to be a pass or a run just because how well John Smith can do in the passing game. If you go back and look at the 99 yard run that Derrick Henry had two years ago, it's a block by John Smith that got it all started and and that's that's credit to John New I'm proud he got his money but for the Titans they did not have the cap space to keep both they they physically could not do so because you pay a running back you're gonna have to let guys um, like a Corey Davis and a John New Smith go now it's time for John Robinson and company to find the replacements you've got to you've got to adjust there's a cap space there for a reason you can't keep everybody and this is the one time in quite a long time for the Titans where they've had to let guys go, and now it's time for them to uh, rebolster that offense. You know when they messed up at signing Ryan Tannehill to that big old deal. That's that that's that was a start for your downfall, buddy. So, Wait, yeah. what 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 would you like him to do in that position? Do you let him walk? Do you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, you had to Andy pay Andy Dalton. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying not paying him all that money. That's the thing. 
But Marcus, when he makes it to the AFC championship game, he is not going to command a small market. We, we were held hostage at that point. There's really nothing we could have done at that point. We could have gone with Andy Dalton and we could have tried to do what the Cowboys did and try and put a bandaid on the offense. We, we trusted Ryan Tannehill and I, I am one of the critics. I was one of the critics at the end of the season. I didn't trust um, how Tannehill kind of ended his season against Baltimore. I, I think he's hamstrung, but we had no other option and that defense other than get Tom Brady. And that is one thing I was talking about all offseason long, but we had to pay him when he had when he had the season like he did, finishing the season better than Patrick Mahomes, who ended up winning a Super Bowl. He commanded a market and he got the market. Well, buddy, and just in sakes of your insanity and your sanity, excuse me, so you don't go insane. Hope the Titans uh figure something out before they be losing to the Colts uh for multiple years. And John Robinson's head will be at 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 Patton Cook's doorstep because he's going to seems be... extremely passive passive aggressive, and I'm going to let it slide. I'm I'm going to let the Raiders fans' passive aggressive comment slide today. Hey, I mean, it, when you lose two offensive weapons, man, that that can be a detriment to your team. But let's go ahead and move forward, because uh, Sir Gabriel Jones is is all cheese and and. Uh, he, this 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 new Bill Belichick on on signing and paying players has came out of nowhere because this is the most he's ever after day one excuse me this was the most he's ever played paid players guaranteed money in over a decade yes sir yes sir in day one and uh I guess he he didn't like that uh the bills won the AFC uh the division hey. so so I don't know. Uh, Buddy came out strong and firing. Hey, the I think the Patriots. You gotta also realize with the Patriots is that they had a lot of opt outs last year, and that defense is gonna be ridiculous. That that defense already with the secondary that they had, then they bring it back high tower. Now they have a front four with the signings that they got. That that Patriots team can be a problem, and then. They didn't only just sign defensive players. They, they signed both sides of the ball, and they got weapons that they needed. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. Then you, they got uh, Aguilar. Then they got Bourne as well. So if they wanted to – they could draft off more offensive weapons if they wanted to in the draft. But that team right there, Cam, Cam having weapons now, it could be a problem with Edelman as well. And I know Gabriel Jones uh, – He's he's gonna be probably asking for a running back because he don't want Sonny Michelle in the backfield any longer. Yeah, bro, Sonny sucks, but we're not gonna talk about him. We're gonna talk about the people that are actually good. Uh, my boy Bill Belichick, we're gonna call him Big Belichick. He's sending out them checks, baby. This is what I love to see. All right, so boom, re-signing Cam Newton, fourteen million. He gets one year, gets one more shot at it. Show us what you can do, Cam. Cam did not have a great quarterback year I put that in quotes as far as like throwing the ball but one he didn't really have anybody to throw it to but two he was an excellent running back he had double digit rushing touchdowns so now he has weapons he has Nelson Aguilar he has Hunter Henry he has Johnny Smith he has who else do we sign the sign uh another born another receiver and born Edelman he's gonna be back from injury widespread weapons let's see what we can do with the offense and then on the defense 
We won six games last year, six games, and half of our defense opted out not to play, half of it. So even with that, we still will have most of those guys coming back. We'll have um, – we signed two other guys, a guy coming off the – run it off the um, – Matthew Judon the uh, from the Ravens. Yes. Judon from the Ravens. Where is my list? I had a whole list of guys because we was just throwing out money yesterday. It was it's insane. Hard to, it's hard to remember all these names, Gabe. Come on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, man, I am above and beyond excited for this year. The Bills thought that they were doing something. They thought, mm-hmm. oh, we got we got Josh Allen. We got a decent defense. We think we go. y'all going to win our AFC East. Brady going to go out and win a Super Bowl. Bill just sitting back like, hmm. Yep, uh, enough of this. It's time to be back on top. We're going back to the bowl, baby. Let's go, Pats. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to I'd like to start on that last part. And I think there's a lot, uh, a lot to do with how Tom Brady and company and that Super Bowl did. I, I think Bill watched that Super Bowl and said, I am not ready for my legacy to be uh, tainted just yet. The whole who's better, Brady or Belichick. And I think Belichick saw the Super Bowl and now he's dropping the cash. And one thing I will say, very interesting to have two of the top five uh, paid tight ends on one team, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, both per year in, in the top five tight ends. I think it's just, it's interesting. You had the uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez um, kind of duo a couple years back. It worked out for them. Hopefully, uh, no off the field issues on uh, for either of those guys. I'll, I'll pray for both of those guys that nothing happens there. But I think it's interesting that you're going to have two tight ends like that. But for Cam Newton, and uh, you mentioned the running game there, Gabe. Both guys are pretty happy to block, and I think that's one thing you can say. The defense isn't going to know what hit them when you've got two tight ends that could basically be wide receivers or they could basically be kind of makeshift tackles as well. So I, I like what uh, I like what New England's doing. They had to make some moves. They had the cap space to do so. They've done exactly that. Now it's all on Cam. I think there's going to be a big question mark if he can't get it done this season. Uh, the questions are, when, when is he going to get it done? Because right now the money has been put into this New England offense to get it done. And one thing I will say in Cam's defense, I thought he looked great before he got COVID. And then after the kind of COVID um, diagnosis that he had, it, he just never did seem the same. And we've heard and kind of seen from a couple guys all across sports that have had the same sort of impact as well. So uh, throw that little caveat out there for Cam. So Exciting for the NFL, Bill Belichick spending money. I guess the world is really about to end, but uh, some things change. And when Tom Brady wins a ring, you got to do stuff something. <laughs> Not you said the world's about to end because Belichick <laughs> gave it all money. Uh, one thing, this is just breaking news, Andy Dalton to the Bears. They just uh, picked him up. I guess the Bears are trying to figure out a new quarterback situation. They can't draft anybody at uh number 20 uh what else was i was gonna mitchell tribulations to a different team (laughs) (laughs) mitchell tribulations that's one thing i will say about you mr jones is you can come up with some good nicknames for players (laughs) (laughs) that man is tried true and tribulation man get this man up out of chicago Actually, he can stay there. They they garbage anyways. But yes, whoo! What a, what a year! I'm super excited, man. Uh, as you said, we can run this double tight end set. Personally, look, now we saw what Tom Brady did with Randy Moss, undefeated. We saw what he did with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Honestly, that's one of the best offenses I've ever seen. Period. If we can somehow replicate that again, 
Uh, that would be great. Now in the draft, we can build, go get a receiver, go get a running back, build up on the defense somehow. We'll see what can happen. But I think that this we're we're Super Bowl bound, baby. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling it right now. I have a uh, I have a question for you, Gabe, and before before I let Marcus uh, go. I've seen a lot of mock drafts before the kind of Cam Newton situation, the the signing. I've seen Mac Jones be mentioned uh, down in, down in Foxborough, and for a Titans fan myself, I'd absolutely hate that because I quite like Mac Jones. I, I like what I saw from him in in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Would you be behind kind of the uh, Jordan Love approach or the the uh, Alex Smith approach, where you draft a quarterback? and just let him sit for a year because that's exactly what Cam Newton is doing. You're not paying him $14 million to sit on the bench. Would you like to see Mac Jones, or would you rather have that first-round pick to go somewhere where you're going to see him right away? No, absolutely, dude. I want – I would love to see Mac Jones come um, to our team. Being that I like situations like that. I love to see – I like Kansas City doing what they did. Uh, the Jordan Love thing with Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron Rodgers have – more than a few years of prime left. So I think that that was egregious. They should have got this man some help. He had made the conference finals uh, twice, conference championship two years in a row. You don't give them any help. What is wrong with you? So that's a bad idea. And I personally was sad whenever Garoppolo left my team because I was looking at the future. So I would not be mad at all if we went and got a backup quarterback. But, hey, Belichick, you're the genius. You do what you do. I'm going to just be sitting back and enjoying, baby. It's good to be a Patriots fan. I think that's a that's that's a one thing true is it's somewhat different what the Packers did and then what like Kansas City did and what his team did with Jimmy G. Uh mm-hmm. the Packers right now, they they need weapons. I mean they just pay Aaron Jones, but you let your your center go. Uh you you're you're losing weapons on the O line and defensively. It's the Packers had a lot of questionable things coming in so now like we know you got Devontae Adams you got Robert Tunyon but your other receivers like I I think you got Alan Lazard for one more year but you got a lot of up in the air questions and the cap isn't really on your side so that's when you needed guys to go and get it done like you got to go out get these young guys and draft these young guys now, for the Patriots aspect of it, I think somebody that should try to look after, Travis Etienne. Mm. That that would be a, a really good pickup for them in that first, second round. Because he's gonna be in the he's most likely gonna be in that lower, lower first round, early second stages. But at Travis Etienne and Cam Newton together side by side, it's gonna be pretty hard to stop. I like that yeah. pick, and and I also like not. I I wouldn't have said this before, but I I think what Najee Harris showed on on the passing game for Alabama last year, I did not see that in his game at all, and I think that was a big thing from him coming back last season. He had the chance to go if he wanted to, but he stayed and he he developed that pass catching. The only thing with Najee Harris is Harris is gonna go top fifteen. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> He won't. He won't. He might. He won't be able to creep down there to where the, the Patriots are. But just know if he drop, we'll happily pick him up. But I will right. say this: we don't have great luck in choosing running backs in the draft. So I'd rather just pick up a free agent. So let, let's just stay on the safe side. It's all good. We ain't got to draft a running back. It's okay. It's okay. Another another breaking news: uh, Tyrod Taylor to the Houston Texans. So um, that we we still we still have that vendetta between. 
Deshaun Watson in the Texans organization, but they're still trying to stay firm saying Deshaun Watson is their quarterback. Get Deshaun out of Houston, please, for Deshaun's sake. But uh, now the Bucks, who won the Super Bowl champs, they basically kept everybody. They re-signed everybody to their deals. Uh, Tom Brady took less money. They was able to uh, re-sign Shaq Barrett, Gronk. Uh, they're about to come into terms for a deal for Antonio Brown. Looks like they're trying to run it back. Uh, like I said, the team is loaded all across the board, and them able them being able to re-sign everybody can be a problem for the NFC. Who, to me, I think the NFC has gotten weaker after this really after this past year. Because uh, you know, Drew Brees announced his retirement. Uh, now. That's, that's another thing we got. We got to go ahead and talk about this. Uh, New Orleans. So New Orleans paid. They re-signed Jameis Winston, and then they also re-signed Taysom Hill to a four-year, one hundred and forty million dollar contract. But basically, after their first year, all that money after year one is voidable, so they can just cut him, and then just re-sign him again. Somebody need to check out the NFL. Need to have an investigation on this matter because something is being done, and it's along the legal terms and legal ways of the cap. But come on now, Saints. We we know that's that's bogus there. And I, I got, go ahead, Gabe. What what you got to say on on that contract? There? Man, it. it... For the organization, it must be nice to finagle your way through some money like that. But what? How? How is? All right, we're gonna sign this dude for five years, right? We're gonna throw him this amount of money, but uh, we only gonna really give you, like, uh, I guess maybe a quarter of that money, less than a quarter of that money, and good luck with the rest of the years. Like, whenever they say NFL contracts are written on toilet paper, it, less dry your sheets. Dry erase boards. <laughs> like, we can just erase everything that we just said. Uh, like like this, Patton. I'm going to give you 10 bucks, but uh, after a dollar, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Good luck. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what's wrong. Oh, my God. This is – it's amazing what the NFL can do. It must be nice to be rich, I guess. I don't I don't know. <laughs> well, the, well, the Saints are quite notorious for doing stuff like this. Uh, even when they were kind of last offseason when they were trying to get Jadavian Clowney they're trying to do what the NBA does, like a sign and trade. Uh, they're, they're trying to send like four different players to Jacksonville to to evade the Titans from getting um, trying to get Jadavian Clowney. The league ended up stepping in and saying this is absolutely bogus. But it just shows that it, if your if your organization is smart enough, and that is one thing the Saints smart or uh, scammy enough. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, you can finagle you, you can finagle your way around the cap, and they're doing so here. Um, one one question I would like to ask is who's going to be that starter? Because one thing that Sean Payton has shown is he's got the biggest man crush on Taysom Hill that I've ever seen. I think there's a clear <laughs> difference on who should be the starter. I think Jameis should be the starter. What I saw in the little spots of him last season, him throwing absolute touchdown bombs to Emmanuel Sanders in that uh, touchdown pass against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. And then he didn't get another shot after that. So I think Taysom Hill's going to end up being the starter. I think Jameis should, but 
um, Sean, uh, Sean Payton, he's got his, uh, he's got his Taysom Hill post on uh, up above his bedroom. Jameis Winston should be the starter. Just plain and simple. You know, uh, people have talked about Jameis doing throwing 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, but also Taysom Hills was a turnover machine. There was a lot of times when he would come into the ball game out after center, uh, he would just throw it, double coverage. Didn't matter. Uh, it was just fumbles, costly fumbles at that. Uh, I don't know. It's, I like Jameis. Jameis was decision making was a lot better in those in that short time span. Even though he didn't throw for any touchdowns during those five starts that he did have, it was just a dump and dive system. So, but that was the, that's another thing I was telling folks is that. That was literally the Saints system, dumping dives all year long. So I think Sean Payton will open up the offense even more down the field when he knows he has a quarterback that can throw it more than 15 yards. That That's just my two cents. Um, Maybe. I guess he doesn't want to see the turnovers that Jameis can possibly create. I mean, the guy did throw 30 interceptions before he came to that team. For Taysom, Taysom is a guy who does make mistakes. He probably isn't your starting quarterback. Like, he wouldn't be my starting quarterback. If he was starting quarterback for my team, I wouldn't be absolutely happy about it. But he is a guy that is a weapon. He is a guy that can make winning plays in football. Um, so I do agree with you guys. Jameis should be the starter. But we shall see what happens with this, this uh, starting quarterback battle. I don't know. New Orleans always – got something going on, whether it be contracts, whether it be bounties, whether it be voodoo, who knows what's going to happen in New Orleans, man. Well, yeah. well, <laughs> Just knows quick... that they won't win in the playoffs. Right. Well, <laughs> one quick thing, uh, you mentioned Tampa Bay a little bit earlier, Marcus, and I, I don't think we've ever seen a team like that who's had the Super Bowl run that they did and have the amount of uh, free agents that they did, and they signed them all, and that's all credit to buying into the system, buying into Tom Brady, and when you got your quarterback, a future Hall of Famer. He doesn't need to take a pay cut if he doesn't want to, but he's there to win. And that I think he shows a great example for those guys. And the only guy it looks like they might end up losing is uh, I've seen Leonard Fournette's a guy that they might end up losing to free agency, but they've got plenty of backup there. They've got LaShawn McCoy uh, kind of will be in, end up being a free agent if they want, or they've got the Vanderbilt rookie uh, Keyshawn uh, Vaughn who is in there for him. So they've got plenty of room at the running back position. I really like what Tampa Bay's doing. They've got guys buying in, even if it's taking less money. They're there to win. Chris Godwin even ended up getting the tag, I think. So credit to uh, that Tampa Bay organization for an organization that hadn't won a whole lot. They're looking pretty smart right now, and they've got guys buying in. What I would love to see is a Patriot Tampa Bay Super Bowl. The Patriots taking over, baby. I'm sure you would. We do. going all the way. Yeah, we got Gabe on high hope high hopes and he, I think you might have some of that wisdom teeth gas going on us right now I don't, I don't know what's going on <laughs> it, it they gave me some been... good stuff man just know that they <laughs> gave me some good stuff <laughs> that was probably about four days ago but he's still high on that uh on that gas <laughs> <laughs> but that is all that we have here on today we hope you enjoy it our free agent talk, March Madness, un getting underway, starts this weekend with the 16th season and also the 11th season going at it. Hey, 
Hope you guys enjoy. Hope you guys stay safe. But this is another episode of the JTS Podcast. We thank you for listening and tuning in. We out. Peace.